Hello, hello to everybody watching, all three of you. <laughs> um, I'm Matt, as I think most of the people watching, um, well, the people who are in, in chat anyway, um, have watched before, so you know who I am. But anybody who might be watching who's not familiar, um, I'm Matt. I'm the host of uh, Three Skulls Tavern, this this new channel. Um, I'm also one of the hosts on the Mud and Blood podcast, if you've heard of that. And basically, this channel is devoted to the Year Zero Engine games by Free League. And that's why we're here right now with Tomas. Um, I'm assuming people who have uh, who are coming here to watch have heard the, the news recently that uh, Free League have a new acquisition, which is what we're going to be talking to Tomas about. Um, but yeah, just a very quick thing about this channel. Um, as it's new, uh, this is I'm going to be live streaming something every Thursday and Sunday night, 9 to 11 p.m. Uh, European time. And that's going to be things like actual plays, recaps of the games that we're playing, uh, GM tips, interviews like the one today. Um, I'm going to be doing some video games as inspiration for, um, well, possibly trying to do some video games as inspiration for some of the stuff I'm working on. And also maybe doing some game design, like uh, design designer diaries for some of my personal projects. But anyway, that's, that's all by the by. That's the channel. Um, what we're here for is to talk to... Tomas, who um, is, what's your official title, Tomas? I'm never sure what to, what to refer to you as. I don't know. We we're not big on titles, so. But I guess I'm. Sometimes I say CEO, but it's yeah. I'm one of the co-founders of Free League Publishing, and I kind of try to keep the whole bunch in check and make <laughs> things happen. Yeah. Yeah. So the the lead cat herder. Yes. <laughs> um. Cool, and we're here to talk to you about Twilight 2000, 4th edition. Um, yeah, we've got lots of questions, so um, basically, why don't you, instead of me talking more, why don't you start telling us about, um, just, I mean, just share the little tidbit of the news that you that you gave, um, was it last week already? This week? Yeah, God. it was last week, yeah. Last, last week, week yeah, Last week, probably so. about a week ago, Thursday or Friday last week, yeah. Yeah, over to you. <laughs> Right. Yeah. I mean, uh, the the news, I guess, is that we're doing a fourth edition of Twilight 2000. We're kickstarting it in August. It's going to be released early next year. Um, there's a lot more to say, of course. I mean, for me, this started with, uh, I mean, the Twilight 2000 is a game that I played back, way back. I mean, the first edition, it's long ago now. I was a much younger person. So, uh, I mean, the first and second editions were like big things for me. I never played them quite as much as I actually wanted to. I did play them, but not that much. They were, it was that game that I never played quite as much as I actually wanted to. <laughs> so, we've, we've all got one of those games, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so that's that. And it kind of stayed in the back of my mind for a very long time. And actually, we started playing. Uh, this is how this started for me, is that we started playing a, a campaign in first edition, Twilight 2000, maybe three years ago, just at the, the Free League people at the office, because this is one of the games that we all had a, like a relation to for some reason. Mm -hmm. So we played that, and of course, uh, being who we are, the question kind of came up that, okay, I wonder who's actually got that license? Is, that, is this a game we could do a new version of, or what's up with that? And we started looking around and well, this is sort of the end result of, of that. So uh, it all started with this campaign that we played of the first edition game a couple of years ago. Okay. So you've been... It's it's fairly recent in terms of um, 
development time and that sort of thing, I guess, compared to some of the some of your other games. Is that right? Yes, I guess so. I mean, actually, we we signed the agreement for Fallout 2004 Alien, so it's actually predates okay. Alien. Um, it's only that Alien had a bit of a yeah. Uh, we had to move really quickly on that one. Uh, Twilight has been a bit sort of simmering and, and going a bit more slowly, but it's been there in the background for quite some time now. Okay. Um, okay. So um, yeah, by now it's now. I mean, it's um, now we're really sort of kicking development into to high gear. For I mean, there is a we have I guess a ninety percent full draft of, of of the game in terms of text, but of course testing is just starting. So there's uh, plenty, plenty more to do. Okay. Interesting, because um, playtesting is just starting. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of questions about mechanics. Um, mm. Over in the Year Zero Worlds Discord server, I asked. Um, we created a channel for for this game, and uh -huh. I like yesterday I mentioned I was going to be interviewing you and I was asking for questions. And yeah, yeah, there's a lot of questions. And I kind of I remember I remember Niels came on and was talking about um, the two dice system. Um, right. I kind of mentioned it there, and that caused a huge furor. Like, whoa, what? hold on, <laughs> it's Year Zero Engine, but it's two dice. How does that work? So, I guess um, before we get into that, before we get into the nitty gritty, um, can we throw at you the kind of the Forge's big three questions in terms of um, what's the game about, um, what do characters do in it, and what do the players do in it? Uh, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Put you on the spot. <laughs> yeah. No, no problem. <laughs> Uh, so what's the game about? I mean, this is a, a this is I mean, it's very much in the same vein as as Forbidden Lands. I mean, actually, the a quite I mean, the the Forbidden Lands was to some quite some extent inspired by Twilight 2000. I mean, Forbidden Lands is kind of Twilight 2000 in a fantasy kind of version. So so it's 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 about survival. It's about exploration. It's about not only, I mean, the first step is survival, and the second one is what do we do now? It's about starting something new. It's about forging your own path in a world that's kind of gone to hell. So it's, I mean, thematically, I think it's very close to Mutant Year Zero and Forbidden Lands also, yeah, but in, it's the feel is a bit different. But I think the core themes are quite quite mm. similar. Okay. All right. And what, yeah. Second one, what do characters do? Was that the one? Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, characters in, in this game, and this is something, I mean, Fallout 2000 has a very, a military tradition. I mean, a lot of, uh, of course, military personnel play it. It's got a military feel to it. And we're not taking that away, but we do want to expand the feel a little bit, too. So you can play civilians also. You can play a mixed group. Uh, you can play soldiers if you want to, but... You're a group of survivors, basically, no matter if you're in uniform or not. I mean, all kinds of uh, organized armies have fallen apart anyway, so it doesn't really matter anymore what army you belong to before, because now you're on your own, which is the tagline, basically, of the original game and of this one as well. <laughs> you're not no longer part of any organized command structure. You have to find your own path now. And that's, that's really what you do in the game. That's what, what you do starting out. Then, um, as I mentioned, there are more things to do on, on more sort of long-term uh, scale. Uh, apart from just surviving from day to day, I mean, that, that's hard enough. But then there's also the question of, okay, so where do we go now? 
if you're so, from somewhere else, if your character is from somewhere else, they might want to go home, which was a big part of the original mm-hmm. uh, campaign. But you might also be from there, or you might be from overseas, but decide that let's stay here and create something new where we are. So that's entirely possible also. Uh, and there will be base building mechanics, kind of similar to Vinland's, not exactly, but along those lines uh, in, in Twilight 2000 also. And then finally, okay. we have something called Operation Reset. Uh, this might be familiar to, to players of first edition, because there was something called Operation Reset in the Free City of Krakow uh, adventure module uh, from way back when. We're taking that concept and kind of running with it and turning it into something a little bit different. But Operation Reset will be a theme or that kind of runs through the game long term. I can't really go into what Operation Reset actually is, because that that would be a huge spoiler. So that's something you might discover. <laughs> and I just by playing it's... the game for quite some time. <laughs> is that is that also something that's already been written? You, you mentioned like ninety percent of the text is written. Is that also? Yeah, I mean um, the ideas and the core concepts behind it are okay. um, largely written. Actually, Operation Reset and the details of it are pretty much among the 10% not written. So, but yeah, um, we okay. do, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's coming together right now. I mean, more specifically what Operation Reset will be. And are you, when you're playtesting now, are you playtesting through Operation Reset as well? I'm assuming? Like... That, for now, the playtesting that's going on at the moment and that's starting up now, it's mostly on just getting everything, yeah. I mean, yeah, core yeah. mechanics, yeah, yeah. travel sure. rules, combat rules, all that stuff uh, more than the long-term campaign stuff yeah okay cool i'm just looking at my list um Ed, do you <laughs> yeah. have any questions you want to ask so uh save me asking like just my, my brain time. was kind of like going through loads of things i was like oh, oh okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> i mean um, i really i really I, want to ask about the dice mechanic but we'll get there i think <laughs> go on ed go on um well just for this kind of brought my original <clears throat> version which is very well used and bashed see that yeah, it had a lot of love. Um, <laughs> um, one of the things that I really liked about, um, obviously, the, the second edition was the character generation. I think we've had a couple of questions about that as well. Is it going to be something similar to the way the original one worked, where you know you went through various different terms, or or at least um, you progressed yes. through your through your life? Well, probably, and this is something we've done in some other games as well, there will probably be two ways of creating your character. One is like the fast way, which mm-hmm. is similar to uh, other games as well, where you can do it in a fairly fast, you can create a character in, in minutes, basically, and, and you don't have to spend a lot of time with it if you don't want to. But then we'll, we're right now planning a, a life path system uh, where you through random roles or, or, or optional choices can create mm. your character kind of year by year or, or that in that fashion. This is a bit similar to what we did for uh, Forbidden Lands as well. There is an optional way to create characters using these kinds of random tables. Um, so exactly that this part is also not done yet. Mm-hmm. So we're, I can't tell you exactly what it's going to look like, but that's probably right. going to be more clear once we get closer to the the Kickstarter. Yeah. So one of the things I really liked about the original, well, the original, um, was that you could start going to war at any particular point. So you kind of had an idea of where your character was going to go. So I'll go this, I'll do that. 
then you made an unfortunate role before you knew it you just come out of university and you'd started the game um which i personally quite enjoyed because you kind of didn't know quite where you were going to go um was that something you'd think about doing or, or have you yeah we're thought? looking at that i i can't say will it'll be exactly like that but we're definitely looking at those concepts sort of and how to do them in a way that works with everything else in the game cool i mean this is a kind of a core thing that we're core principle when developing the rules for, for the new version is that basically we want to look closely at the earlier editions for me it's first edition but primarily but also second edition to some extent and uh, to kind of capture the feel of the rules yeah. the kind of not the rules exactly as they were right. but the feel you got from them because my experience from playing first edition now just like a few years ago is that I think the rules are well built. They work well. They're well made, but they do get, from my taste, a bit too clunky and a bit yeah. cumbersome to use. We basically what we want to do is kind of the feel of the rules and the kind of general philosophy of the rules, but kind of create a system that does that in a way that is a bit more streamlined and doesn't yeah. quite take up as much time or headspace that can slow the game down when actually playing it. And yeah, that I goes for character yeah. creation as well. Yeah, I guess in the 80s and 90s, we liked having clunky rules. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. It was a yeah. trend. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think Phoenix Command. I mean, that's kind of where the, the end of the road. Oh, Phoenix Command. To. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. But you know, <laughs> I wouldn't recommend it today to anyone. No. <laughs> Yeah. Ed and I were talking about this a little bit before, and saying that in the like in the early, like in the eighties, I think probably everyone was mm. trying to find their feet, and you didn't necessarily notice the crunch so much because it was like a new the new thing, the new the new flavor of role playing game. Yeah. Um, yeah. Whereas now we've got what thirty years of of games being developed that we can all kind of tap into and best practices to share and everything. So kind of things get a lot more slick and streamlined, but. Yeah. Cool. Speaking of so, yeah. speaking of which, speaking of crunch, um, that was a big question <laughs> on the on the um, on this Discord server was how crunchy is this going to be in comparison to the other Year Zero engine games? Right. I mean, I can say pretty much hands down, it's going to be the crunchiest Year Zero game oh. that you've ever seen. Okay. Okay. But it will not be it will not be Phoenix Command. So I mean, somewhere <laughs> in there, in okay. between. Yeah. That's uh, gonna. That's probably gonna make some people very happy and some people not very happy. But that's cool. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, excellent. So that brings me nicely to the real big question that I've been wanting to ask from the beginning that a lot of people want to know about, which is, um, <laughs> can you please go into a little bit of detail about this this two dice system that you're playtesting? Um, I I appreciate there's a big caveat here, which is you may not end up sticking with it. That's one of the things you're playtesting, yes. which is kind of Neil's Neil's hinted at. Um, but right. ca what can you share about it? That's I mean, a lot of us are intrigued about it. <laughs> right. I mean, it's actually, I mean, the idea of doing it or something like it has been around for a while. And it's, I mean, I personally, I think dice pools are fine. I like them. I think they have a lot of benefits. They, they kind of, they scale in a nice way. They keep the arithmetic down. They're kind of easy to use. But of course, they have the obvious benefit of rolling lots of dice on the table and they might get messy. And it, there is always that. So... Just as, a, as an experiment, we've been considering how could you achieve something similar without rolling quite as many mm. dice? Can we do this with fewer dice? And that, how would that work? Mm. So, I mean, the, the, the version that we're looking at now, it's, uh, 
it's in I mean the core thing is fairly simple um, and it's like you said we might not end up using it so but, it, but it's, it's what we're looking at right now and basically instead of um, the analogy is basically what you had for the artifact dice in Forbidden Lands is that you instead of rolling more d6s you roll polyhedral dice with yeah higher chance of success I mean that's basically it Exactly. These bad boys. So basically, instead yeah. of scaling your skills from one to five d6s, you'll scale your skills and attributes from a d6 to a d12. Okay. So it's that. That's very. I mean, that's in in its core what it is. So basically, you roll two dice, one for your skill and one for your attributes. Okay. And depending on your level, that that determines what type of how many dive success. so you're still looking at the same like sort of thing with you need at least one success exactly okay. so you need uh, and you'll need uh, the way that it looks at the moment you'll need to roll a six plus uh, to get a success no matter what die you actually roll so obviously that chance increases if you roll a d8 or d10 or even a d12 and if you roll 10 or more it counts as a double success so if you're skilled uh, you have a high attribute score skill uh, level you might roll up to four successes so yeah. it scales a bit in a bit of a different way than the normal year zero engine but it achieves the same thing kind of okay. so we're now tweaking this a lot just looking at the probabilities and making sure that it it, it gives you that the results that we want and and the kind of the probabilities are are that where they should be um and that's just what we're testing at the moment but that's really okay. in short how it works so sorry i'm gonna ask you lots of pointy questions about how that works <laughs> um, yeah, you i guess the the first the first thing that pops into my head is how would how do you handle modifications to a role like negative yes. modifiers for example is that like your skill by gets degraded a step or yeah, I mean, that's at the moment, uh, the way it works, you simply degrade ring, I mean, level up or level down your, your particular skill bar. Okay. So that's basically it, yeah. Okay. And if you go above a D12, you get a bonus die. You can actually have a third die in there. Okay. We also have a concept for this game that we that's specific for Twilight 2000 is ammo dice. So the more mm. ammo, it, it, it ties into the rate of fire for weapons. And each mm -hmm. ammo, each rate of fire gives you the possibility to add ammo dice. And those are D6s. So that's actually going to be a dice pool anyway. But that's limited to the <laughs> ammo dice. And you'll have nice little ammo dice with some kind of okay. nice nice graphics on them. But that's kind of how we represent rate of fire. Okay. So okay. In this version that we're testing. At the moment. Okay. And how how is there going to be some sort of push mechanic? Yeah, the push mechanic is stays. I don't think we're going to change that. That would be... I mean, that's, for me, it's core to the Year Zero engine, and yeah. I really like it. I mean, it's, yeah. I, I, I do not want to remove that. And it, it gives that kind of a fairly simple but still working risk-reward function that I think is, yeah, it adds to tension, and it gives yeah. every die roll a bit more impact. So I, uh, we're not planning on removing that. Okay. And last question before I, I let Ed ask his um, gear porn question uh, he's itching to ask. Um, will you be going down to D4 in this, or will it start at D6? It, currently, it starts at D6. Okay. Yes. Okay. All right. So as you might have seen, there are actually four levels, not five. So that changes things a bit as well. So at the moment, we're using yeah. um, a okay. letter uh, like 
like oh, uh, you know grades in, in in the US I guess from an A to D and then an F if you have no no score at all in, in the particular skill okay right. and I guess for a, a D4 wouldn't work with a with getting a six on the dice anyway would it <laughs> no it wouldn't so we'd have to change a lot of things if we do that so no yeah actually, no. at the moment we're not that's not in, in, okay. in the in the rules interesting um, Okay. I just saw that on the, the, the chat, Ibrahim's um, ah. asked, uh, what's the cost to push? Is it the same sort of thing? So you damage your stat? Yeah, I mean, this is something we just, I, we have considered a lot going back and forth. Uh, at the moment, you only have two sources of, I mean, two types of, of dice. You have one from your attribute and one from your skill. I mean, in other, some Year Zero games, you also have dice from gear. We're looking at gear now and how to implement that. So I, I'll have to get back to you on exactly that how that will will work. But but that's uh, pushing will probably. I mean the way it works in the current draft that we're working with, uh, you will degrade your attribute when pushing. So kind of similar to the way it works in Finland and, and Year Zero. Uh, the degrade the the rate at which your attribute is reduced is lower in Twilight 2000, and that's. Mm -hmm. Because we want to, I mean, in, in, in a game where you play like mutants in the far future, you can accept yeah. some more funky stuff happening. Yeah. And if you play something that's closer to us and people who are closer to actual people, yeah. we kind of reduce those those effects that are fine in Mutant Year Zero or Forbidden Lands, and they're a bit more toned down in Twilight 2000 to create. I mean, I, I don't want to use the word realism. Really, because that's more, it's, but it's, oh, it yeah. has at least a sense of being more yeah. grounded and a bit more realistic, I guess. Yeah. So that's why we're toning some of those effects down compared to the other games. Okay, um, yeah. a couple of other questions coming up relating to this. Um, speaking about kind of damage, staying on that topic a little bit, um, any. Any ideas with conditions? Um, things like being thirsty, being hungry, it being sort of like a big survival thing. I know Ed has yeah. talked about you could die from thirst in the original or something you were saying. Yeah, yep. Is yeah, that that's really key. Uh, and like I mentioned, I think that Twilight 2000 was a big inspiration for yeah. primarily yeah. Forbidden Lands, but also Mutant Zero to some extent because it's... Uh, so yeah, I mean, and then you have these kinds of conditions and they work not exactly the same as in those games, but sure. along the same lines. Okay. You All definitely right. have that. The whole resource management bit where you need to... I mean, the big difference from, from uh, Forbidden Lands is obviously that in Product 2000, you have vehicles. So fuel, yeah. vehicle maintenance, all of that is, is key. <laughs> vehicle armor when you're going to be combat is really important. <laughs> I mean, where do you attack a tank from behind, from the front? needs yeah. to matter in this game in, <laughs> yeah. in mutant year zero it, yeah. it doesn't work on that level so it doesn't really no, it doesn't factor in in twilight abstract, it, yeah. it needs to matter uh, these yeah, things yeah. so that, that's why it's i okay. mean that's the level of difference that we're looking that at. was it's, it's it's bringing up memories <laughs> that was def that was definitely one of our questions as well was about vehicles and so that's yeah. gonna make some other people happy too right um, there's been another question in chat from old school empire who asks about um the attributes are they going to be the same sort of four year zero engine attributes possibly renamed or are they going to be more um uh, in the current draft there there are four and they are pretty much the same as you would see in other year zero games okay this is my change but at the in the current draft uh those are the ones we're using okay cool <laughs> all right ed all yours. <laughs> all yours um so obviously one of the things that i really enjoyed when i originally played um 20, was um the artwork um from 
obviously a lot of guns, a lot of vehicles. Um, are you going to keep the same sort of thing, or are you going to be more a few tables? Um, how would that work in, in the book? Well, as it, when it comes to art, it's it's a key thing. I mean, we are using, we are working with primarily one artist mainly. He's doing the interior art. His name is Grant, and he's. I think you've seen some. It's kind of a line art style, and the inspiration there that we kind of looked at a lot is again first uh, edition art of Steve Venters, that that kind of uh, okay. pencil style yes. art in the first edition. That yeah. was like we want. This is what we wanted to kind of capture so i mean uh, it it has that feel another source of inspiration was actually I, I when i was in the military service 25 years ago we had like a field manual for the swedish army yes. and it yeah. had like art in it that was hand drawn and colored and it looks if you look at that and compare to the art that we're doing now there are def definitely similarities that's cool. that is pretty cool so, i mean that kind of field manual style art uh, so that's where we want to go for for most of the arts, we're adding some and they like the cover art and some, maybe some other larger art pieces that are a bit more moody and have a different feel to them. But most of the arts gonna have that field okay. manual style. And you... he's also doing, uh, Nicholas is doing vehicle art and weapons art. We'll probably show some more weapons art down the line. For some reason, we didn't want to lead with that when we no. presented the thing. I mean, I think it has its place, yeah. definitely. And there will definitely be weapons art in the game, but for us, Twilight 2000 is not just about guns, so we wanted to kind of not lead with the gun art. Yeah, yeah, that it, makes sense. It, yeah. It's definitely there, and it will definitely be in the game. So very similar to sort of like I guess the second edition when they brought out like a separate book which had everything in. Right. I mean, there, there. So I mean, there will be. A, I mean, I we probably should show some pretty soon because the cool thing about Niklas, he's very particular and he, he does his research, so it's it's mm -hmm. it's very. It's, uh, I mean, it's true to, to form, and he's doing, he's doing his homework for the, for the vehicle art and the weapons art, which I think is really important for this type of game. Cool. Right. I was, so one of the other things was um, in regards to equipment, I guess, kind of is like um, the consumables. Um, I remember in the first one was obviously having to track absolutely everything, all your bullets, <laughs> all your water, um, mm. uh, just, just, just everything, your fuel, you name it. Um, are you going to be going along the same lines as... Forbidden Lands. Um, currently, this is one of the things that we want to do a little bit differently, and for the same reasons that I mentioned before. I think in, in games like Alien and Forbidden Lands, we track consumables with die rolls, so basically yeah. you're never quite sure. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that works well in those games, and in a game like Alien, that your air could run out at any time, you're not quite sure. Uh, it creates tension and it works because that game is more cinematic but i think in twilight 2000 that might get frustrating because you want to have a yeah. little bit more level of control of yeah. how much water or fuel you actually have and if it just run out runs out on the on the result of a die roll that can <laughs> yeah. you know, annoy people so we're not it's more like um in near zero actually you don't you track consumables no. in a more i'd say traditional way and i think that's what we're leaning at for twilight 2000 as well that okay. makes me very happy. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. Um, and there's a question also come up in chat about um, about tools, and it's about uh, it, basically it says what tools and mechanics will set guns, um, up, for example, apart, other than like a plus one. Um, and that's something I'm kind of interested in. Our, my favorite Year Zero engine game is Coriolis. Um, 
and for a lot of reasons, but one of the things I really like about it is the additional stats on the equipment, especially the weapons, where you have like the crit rating and stuff like that. Hmm. Um, are there going to, is there going to be something similar, like a little bit more, a little bit more granularity, a little bit more crunch around around gear, especially guns in Twilight? Yes, I think so. I mean, um, that's particularly that you mentioned the the crit ratings. That's something in the current draft again all of this is subject to change so i don't want to yeah, yeah. you know yeah, yeah. i want to keep that uh, but but yes in the current draft actually it works similarly to coriolis in that sense that you can get a crit before oh, cool. the bonus is broken so there's a crit rating so that that which makes sense in this game i think it's a yeah. bit more yeah. again a little more crunchy, a bit more maybe realistic, if you want to use that word, at least to get that sense of realism. Um, so yes, uh, and that also gives us a few more like knobs to turn and, and create a little bit more granularity and, and difference between pieces of gear and, and weapons. Okay. So yeah, and then right now we're actually looking at some more options to do that, because in this game it needs to matter, you need to get like the sense that every piece of gear that you choose will feel and be different than something else that you might pick up. So a gun is not just a gun. It matters if it's that particular type or that one. Yeah, yeah. That needs to matter in this game. So yeah. So yes, again, it might not be as granular as like the early editions, but yeah. there will be enough granularity there to set these types of weapons and these particular different guns apart. Okay. Cool. Right, we've got another question in chat, um, which is another good one. So there's a lot of, I've got questions prepared, and I've got, there's a lot of good ones coming up from people who are <laughs> right. watching live. So um, this is from Ibram. He's asking um, about whether there's, whether there are plans to have a quick start included during the Kickstarter campaign. Good question. I'm actually, this is something I was just, you know, we're considering right now. I think we probably should. So um, if we can get that done, we will. I think it would be a good thing. I mean, just something fairly short. So yeah. but to give people a chance to try it out during the Kickstarter itself would be a good idea. So if we can, we will. Cool. Awesome. All right. <laughs> um, I just saw Old School Input asked, um, how deadly is the game? You players need to create three character pool before starting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well. That yeah maybe if you use the life path tables you know that can probably <laughs> probably happen too but in general it will be a deadly game I don't think I mean yeah. if you played other Year Zero games you probably know that they are generally pretty deadly and this is definitely no no exception probably among the deadlier of, of the bunch yeah cool all right let's dip into the setting a little bit. Um... Now I've I've got no experience with this game whatsoever. I only know what I've read from your blurb, and I've heard people talking about Twilight Two Thousand in the past. Um, so I know that the original is based in the year Two Thousand. World War Three's happened, and because it was written in the eighties, um, yeah, it's obviously it's all doesn't make any sense now. It's twenty years in the yeah. past. Um, I'm assuming from your newsletter and the announcements that were made that you're keeping to that like alternate history, uh, kind of pitching it as an alternate history now. Um, but there's been a lot of questions coming up from people asking who are familiar with the original, asking things like, um, is it still predominantly going to be tying to things like NATO forces combined with local local civilian type of people on the ground? Um, is the Warsaw Pact still kind of an important consideration in the in the in the in the setting? That sort of thing. Are you kind of sticking back to that original 
vision of this alternate history now, or are you diverging a little bit and doing your, putting your own stamp on it? Um, yeah, I mean, I guess it's a bit of both. I mean, yeah, first of all, yes, we are keeping the game in the year 2000, which obviously now makes it alternate history, not near future, which changes things a yeah. bit. Yeah. Uh, there's a number of reasons for why we did that and didn't place it in 2030 or something. And primarily, the, the main reason is that near future settings tend to age really quickly. Yeah. They kind yeah. of feel out of date in the year and they just feel stupid. So we didn't want to go that way. And also, it's also a way of focusing the game on the key themes of survival and, and, and rebuilding and, and finding a way as opposed to getting stuck in some kind of trying to predict the future or commenting on current oh, yeah. politics or something like that. So by going over the history, we kind of veer away from that and, and it made it easier to focus on the key themes of the game. Mm -hmm. uh, plus, we get the added bonus of retaining a kind of a Cold War old school feel, which we also think feels it's great. Like part of the brand. Part of it the is, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah. that's probably why we did that. And it's it is not the same um, like backstory, the same um, world exactly as was presented in the original versions, either uh, not from first edition or second or 2.2 or, or, I mean, it's not exactly that, but the end result is pretty much around that. I mean, the the history that, that we wrote for this uh, version, it, it takes, it, it diverges around the Moscow coup in 1991, uh, mm -hmm when the KGB and, and other, the generals tried to take power. Obviously in real life that failed and, and that was kind of the end of the Soviet Union for all intents and purposes. But in yeah. this version, the coup succeeded and the fall, the collapse of the Soviet Union was halted and it kind of recovered uh, in the years after that. And then things fired up in the, up until the year 2000. So, the end result, the kind of world you have is similar to what you would have in the early editions, but the specifics of the timeline are quite different. Okay. There are some strange things, I think, in the first edition that I think Italy joins the Warsaw Pact or something. I don't remember. But there are some, we're not doing that. We're kind of presenting a timeline, an alternate timeline that we think makes sense. But yes, in terms of who you play and who you are, it's fairly similar. You will still have NATO soldiers, soldiers, U.S. soldiers on European ground getting stuck, stranded here. Then you can play those, but you can also play local troops. You can even play Soviet troops who will also be there. Uh, and you can play civilians or a mix of them all. This is kind of what we want to emphasize, that you don't have to play soldiers. You can play civilians or a mix of them, because at this point in time, it doesn't really matter what unit you belong to. It's a matter of finding a group to survive yeah. and move forward. Yeah. And you might bring all civilians that you meet along the way, or <laughs> yeah. it will be more of a mixed group. But in that sense, I think it's fairly close to what you would see in, in first edition. That's one of the things I liked about first edition, uh, Twilight 2000, is that it's fairly agnostic in terms of, it, yes, you're supposed to be playing US soldiers, I guess, but the rules really give you all kinds of options, even mm. then in that old game, to play civilians or Polish troops or Czech troops or whatever. It had quite an open field of who you could actually create as a player character. And we're definitely sticking with, with that. Okay. Well, that's interesting because, um, again, Ibrahim's asked this question, but it, it ties in really well with options there. Um, you mentioned that there was going to be a Swedish, a kind of Swedish setting involved with it. 
And I think I remember reading somewhere, maybe hearing from Niels, that there was also going to be options to play in like your own, like anywhere you wanted. Um, can you talk a little bit around that? Like, I'm assuming that Poland is still the primary setting for for what we're going to see in the book. But um, how much how much are you devoting to other places? Like, is is Sweden going to have its own write up, and that will be the only other specific setting? And then there'll be general guidelines for doing your own thing, or like what 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 what's your thinking around that? Yeah, obviously, I mean, obviously, it's all subject to change, of course. <laughs> it is, but yes, yeah, so this is. I think this part is is fairly, you know, solid at, at this point. I mean, we wanted to keep to go back to Poland in like the year two thousand as the core setting because it's fairly iconic. It goes back to the early editions, and we want to bring that back. So that's there, but. We also wanted to expand the game a bit and make it truly sandbox and modular in a way that I think first edition was not really. It it was a sandbox game, but then you still had to go to Krakow and then, you know, travel down the Vistula and go to Warsaw. So it, it kind of had the potential for sandbox, but then the expansions kind of forced you down a particular path. Yeah. So what we want to do is is to embrace the sandbox in a more sort of full way. And the way to do that is that we present Poland as as one setting and then to kind of show an example of how you could play the game in a different setting we also include uh, Sweden as an alternate setting so we have two possible like settings included in the game and they are meant as primarily I would say as as examples for, for how you could also uh -huh. create your own setting to play wherever you want because if you present two settings it kind of shows the yeah, ways yeah. this can be done this is a bit similar to what we did in Tales from Tales the Loop. From Luke, yeah. Yeah. Swedish setting and a US setting and then also but yeah. these do go ahead and play in your own home okay. town or wherever mm -hmm. you want to set the game. So, so similarly with like similar to that. having name having like two different sets of names for exactly. NPCs so, and locations in two yeah, different for for, okay. for we have a, a format here uh, called scenario sites. It's similar to adventure sites at Forbidden Lands. Mm -hmm. And for like local NPCs they will probably have like two sets of names there will be the polish names and probably swedish names and then you can kind of if you want to adapt it to somewhere else you can do that there can be some scenario sites that are very specific to a particular country but we want to try to keep things fairly modular so that people can get the tools they need to, to set the game wherever they want okay. so um, also creating creating your own scenario sites also potentially using the free league workshop to to like Exactly. Sell them too. Okay. Cool. Yeah, definitely. I mean, of course, uh, there might be some scenario sites that are definitely need to be at a particular yeah, yeah. place yeah. or at least a particular country. So we'll have that too. But some of them might might work well to be fairly okay. general and you could use pretty much anywhere. So we all right. We wanted that's kind of what we want to do with this game is to 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 give it a more of a modular sandbox approach where you can really kind of grab all these tools and, and play where we want and but then you have Poland as well and that right up yeah. Poland as like if you want to go that's like the default so then okay. you can just go ahead and do that mm -hmm. so your game your game isn't is only starting playtesting but I'm interested in the expansions already <laughs> ah. <laughs> um, are you going to follow you thinking about following a similar model with Forbidden Lands with having um, a campaign as a linked set of scenario um sites and then possibly doing additional scenario sites packaged together as campaigns in future similar to what's happening with bitter reach and the other expansions or do you have something else kind of in mind for um 
for how you like how you can approach expansions for, yeah i mean online. i think actually it's a bit different what we're planning so far we want to follow the model of the kind of classic first edition expansions where you had the pre of Krakow, Paris of Vistula, and then Ruins of Warsaw, and then you have the Black Badal and Go Home. But like the first three, the the thing I liked about that is how they also each introduced like a new theme, not only like the particular place, but also a theme. The first one was about cities, the second one was about boats and rivers, and the third one was like large scale battles. So what we want to okay. do is basically create First, we have planned it's not going to be free city of Krakow, but it's going to be a cities expansion, how to play in cities and get give tools for cities cool. yeah. to playing in them. They will also include Krakow and probably some Swedish town as examples of that. But it, so yeah. we'll try to expand the scope. And probably the next expansion after that is going to be not part of the Vistula, but it's going to be about probably um like rivers seas lakes and and boats basically and, and expand that whole field of, of playing in a more maritime environment so it's going to be that and then the next one is probably going to be large-scale battles that's what we're looking at so it's and and so we want to stay with the themes but maybe with a little less focus on the particular geographical locations but still staying around along those same themes that they had in, in the first edition and yep. as well we'll have that we have something called operation reset which is a yeah. kind of a uh, that we're um which will be a meta plot i guess some kind of something that's going on in the background that you can i mean it's 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 in the, um, the original free city of crackle module there's something called operation reset we're kind of playing with that concept a little bit and turning it into something a little bit different um, and expanding the scope of it. So that's going to be something that you can expand and explore throughout the campaign and probably include more and more information about that in these expansions. So I would say comparing to Forbidden Lands, it's not going to be as specific, limited campaigns as Raven's Purge and Bitter Reach. We're more looking at painting a broader picture. It's going to be even more of a sandbox game where you don't even have um, like the operation reset is like the overarching meta plot, I would I would say, okay. and there might be others down the line. But at the moment, we're kind of looking to expand the game with more scenario sites, more themes, and expanding this operation reset plot through for quite some time. Okay. So um, that's kind of how how it looks at the moment. So tapping into the modular elements of it. And the sandboxy element of it, um, Steph Stephouch, on who's actually here in chat as well, um, asked about how hex crawling is going to be treated. Whether there's going to be, whether it's going to be similar to what we've seen currently with Meet Near Zero and Forbidden Lands. Whether there's going to potentially be some elements of wargaming uh, that we might see creeping in due to the the nature of the the genre, that sort of thing. Um, have you put a lot of um, like what what are your kind of current thoughts on on how heck the hex crawling is going to be handled? Right. Yeah. I mean, I think another inspiration beyond obviously Twilight 2000 itself are like kind of old school war games. So we get that kind of hex, hex and counter type of gaming. Um, and you in this game, this is a difference from other Year Zero games, I guess, that you have the travel maps, the big maps. They will be fairly similar to Forbidden Lands, which also uses hexes. The obvious change this for Twilight is that you have vehicles and roads, which changes things a bit. 
but the system for travel is fairly similar to Forbidden Lands, but okay. a lot about vehicles, that, that's like the main difference. But okay. then the, another change is that um, in this, in Twilight 2000, you, we use uh, hexes also for combat maps. So combat will use a hex system and counter. So you combat will have more of a war game feel to it than any other game that we have made. So it, and that also changes some of the mechanics and it, it, it gives different feel to it. Um, and it's, it's been done. I mean, I actually got, it's another game from the same era that I used to own and play, but that I would not want to do a remake of. It was called Price of Freedom. I don't know if you're familiar with that. I'd, anyway, seen, I'd, seen, yeah. I'd seen it when yeah. I was trying to figure out what other right. games were around yeah, at the time. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 I don't think we should revisit that one particularly, <laughs> but it did do uh, combat in hexes, but hexes in it, like a war game. And that we're actually doing something similar to that for, for Twilight 2000. And, and if we can, depending on, it might be a stretch goal or something, is that we'll actually have modular combat maps. So you can create terrain by placing like combat maps together in different ways to create an immediate uh like a uh, environment to, to create this, to quickly create a scene and get uh yeah your counters in and, and start a combat because they will be more map based than mm -hmm. other year zero games which are I mean, primarily theater of the mind even though you can yeah. use maps. here mm -hmm. the maps will be more key also in combat you want to get that okay. feel of more tactical feel yeah. of combat than perhaps in some of the other years I can I can foresee a, a, a rousing trade in um, free league workshop stuff. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hopefully, I mean, that's great. I mean, and I think this game will be very open to that because yeah, yeah. it's really, really a toolbox. So I mean, yeah. uh, hopefully, that will um, that people will enjoy making stuff. I mean, people are already doing a lot of things for for Twilight 2000. I mean, the early editions just I mean, there is yeah. stuff out there being made and I hopefully we can really contribute to that and get people involved and create stuff for the game because that's uh, I think okay. this game will really lend itself well to that. Yeah. Um it kind of sounds like with with a kind of nods to wargaming that there's <laughs> how to put this it sounds like it's it's possible that there's going to be a very high attrition rate with characters right that there's going to be <laughs> a lot of character death like you're going to have some sort of skirmish and you're going to have you know three tanks are going to roll up and you know you've got right. one broken down jeep or something and before you know it boom 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 you're mostly dead so I, yeah. you've mentioned that there's that you're thinking about having some sort of like headquarter or base mechanic um i'm assuming yeah. that's going to tie into kind of creating um, new characters or um, converting NPCs into into new PCs um, is that something because we haven't we've never really seen any um, advice on creating new PCs in the existing Year Zero games. It's often just left to however the table wants to do it. Uh, but yeah. I can see in this game it might be something where there's it might be a little bit more of a feature or more yeah. important than in the other games. So is that something that you're also um, kind of looking into? Yeah, we're looking into it. Uh, I mean, we're talking about uh, things like troop play uh, to get. Oh know, yeah, cool. Maybe yeah. have a larger pool of characters to, to, to draw from, uh, and yeah. that, and that, of course, like you mentioned, ties into to a base mechanic as well. So yeah, we're looking into it. I'd okay. Be honest and say we're not quite done on that front yeah. yet. Yeah. But yeah, it's one of the areas we're looking into. 
that's quite exciting because um paul badowski um do you know who paul badowski is yeah, yeah. i know he's sure. um he's just on a blog post yesterday or today about troop play in Simbaroom, and right. it was really good a uh, really good read and i was thinking about why like why do you not see more of this in in role-playing games like even written to the role-playing games or just advice about how to do it because um, it's an intriguing yeah. concept and i can see that if you've got a base you have like a group who are going out like the, the military <laughs> unit like the alpha the alpha team are going to go out and like investigate something but then you've got like this this like the not even the the beta team but like the omega team like the the, the really <laughs> shitty ones you know they, they just learned how to fire a rifle and they're like no you yeah. need to go find some water um you know or something nice. like that and doing the <laughs> shitty jobs and you can have that troop play kind of playing in and then you're, you're kind of playing a little bit like you can intersperse sessions with with different yeah. um, groups i think that's yeah. i think that's i would be really excited i mean not that i'm going to try and direct where you're going with this or anything um, <laughs> <laughs> i've had flack for this in previous interviews before but um anyway i think i think troop play is a really cool concept that um we mm. don't see enough of in in role-playing games so just you saying it's that just... is kind of especially with the, the the recent blog post by paul is is kind of it's quite exciting especially when you when, when it's a, a a game that's gonna be i guess fairly um lethal um yeah right. you don't want to kind of create your character and then suddenly oh wait <laughs> yeah i've got to start another one yeah and that's a traditional role-playing way of doing things right you've got the one character and you're investing every single session in that one character mm-hmm. and when it dies like if that character dies then it's it can be quite a dramatic thing um mm-hmm. but yeah if it happens relatively frequently it might be nice <laughs> yeah. to have a rotating <laughs> roster that you every now and again let's play the the omega squad or whatever yeah um, yeah ibram asks a question about um which is kind of interesting we're talking about combat a little bit there um it sounds like there's going to be a bit more crunch around that with maps and uh, kind of battle maps and things like that um are there still going to be options for zone combat like we've seen in the other year zero games like the more theater the mind sort of style is that still going to be supported you can do that, uh, yes. I mean, it's certainly. You, I mean, for small specific, if you, if you play like smaller combats or smaller conflicts between just a few individuals, you probably won't need a big battle map. So yes, okay. you can definitely do that. But it, the game uh, rules as such, at least in the current version, they, it uses uh, hexes for combat, not zones. So you kind of have to choose one or the other. And at the moment, it's okay. hexes. But some small conflicts that can take place maybe within the same one hex, it won't be a thing. So then it'll pretty much be a theater of the mind anyway. Okay. Interesting. Okay, cool. Um, questions. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty much, I'm pretty much through with my list of questions on, um, from user worlds. I'm not sure if anybody on chat, because we're getting close to the one hour mark here. Um, if anybody else has any questions in chat, go ahead and start throwing them out. Cause we've got about another, got tomas here for a short period still um i'm kind of curious about who else is working on it um i know niels is niels is picking up a lot of um it's been talked about niels kind of picking up some of the development um any anyone else that's worked on previous titles that we, we might um right i mean yeah that's a good good thing that you, you mentioned it i mean i think that the lead co-writer is for twilight 2000 is a guy called chris lights i'm not sure you're familiar with him he's done I work recognize on name, yeah yeah, with Modifius and others, mm-hmm. he's done. He's a very experienced game writer and editor, and he's doing a lot of the setting stuff, uh, cool. scenario sites. He's writing up. Yeah, I mean, so he's he he and I are like, I guess, the main writers for the game so far. Um, in terms of um, internally from from other titles, um, I mentioned Nicholas Brandt, the artist. He did some work for Forbidden Lands, so you might have seen his work there. 
Um, and of course, the cover art is by Martin Greek, who, who, who does Simba Room and Alien. Yeah. Uh, and then, what, which I think is really cool and important in this game, is that we have quite a few now um, active or retired uh, military personnel, primarily from the US so far, that are kind of consultants on the team. Some, some of them we've had on for, for months already, just to check that things make sense. I mean, I did the military service 25 years ago, but you know, that's, I'm, I'm not up to date. So, I mean, getting these guys in to just check things and make sure it yeah. makes sense, just both from a sort of terminology standpoint and also rules is really important. And after the announcement on last week, I think we had two or three people, you know, contact me that just sound like also we're kind of adding to this this roster of, of, of um, military personnel who can kind of lend their expertise to the game mm -hmm. as well. So that's, that's really cool. And I think it kind of, carries on the legacy of, of the game and I think it's important to get that part right. So um, mm -hmm. that's I'm really happy about that. Okay. Yeah. That's um, really cool. There was a, sorry, there's a further question um, from Old School Empire. Um, will players have the possibility of controlling squads of NPCs? Sorry, could you didn't quite um, catch it. Yeah, so uh, will the will the players have the possibility of controlling squads of NPCs? Of NPCs? Well, possibly. I mean, in, in the current rules that, that, it, that it's looking now, like standard type play, that's not part of it yet. But like we discussed earlier with troop play, there's definitely a possibility of, of, of adding elements like that. And even more so when we get to the, which might be the third expansion for large scale mm -hmm. battles, it's we'll yeah. Yeah. definitely see something along yeah. those lines. Okay, but the core gameplay, it's it's not part of the core gameplay that we're looking at and testing at the moment. But it's definitely something that belongs on the line. Okay. Um, what about things like I, I I don't know much about the setting, but um, I'm assuming it's it's aiming more for realism, where we're not going to be seeing um, mutant monsters or things like that. Is that is that the case, or are we going to see some sort of um, more fantastic elements? Like what's... Mm, it's a good, good, very good question. I mean, at its, I mean, so far, and I mean, Twilight 2000 has has stayed. I mean, it, it's a realistic, it's a near future, or was a near future game that kind of focused on realism and and assimilationism. I think you need to be a bit careful there, but I think, I mean, the one thing that we're already doing is, I mean, we're already moving into, I mean this version will be alternate history yeah it will not be near future so yeah. that's it's already in a sense just by doing that we kind of move the game into the realm of the fantastical if yeah. you want because yeah. we're talking about an alternate history now not yeah. something we think will happen in the future and i think that is a bit of a change just doing that changes it a little bit and i think that might be a good thing but I mean, we'll, you know, we're not planning on doing crazy mutants coming in, you know, that, you know, that, that's not the, what we're planning to do. Well, you already but have, maybe, you already have yeah. mutant year zero for that. Yes, right? we can do that. But I think there maybe, I mean, there's just a tiny, tiny, you know, opening of that window. And I think that's an interesting way to, I mean, it's just something we're discussing and thinking about and, and but, but. I mean, if you're, let's put it like this, if you want to play the game very straight, 
without any kind of you know fantastical elements that's definitely going to be entirely yeah. possible we're we're not changing sure. that but just by like i mentioned just by changing the game into alternate history we have already kind of taken one step in that direction i okay. guess whether we wanted to or not but so it's so it's a it's a tricky question to give a very straight answer but but you know if fans of the old game will not be ambushed by crazy mutants and works from the future or something so <laughs> i mean I don't the reason the real reason i'm asking is because i'm getting i'm getting um little hints of the stalker um, video game series i don't know if you're familiar mm. with it at all and sure, i can yeah, see people absolutely. using yeah. i can see people using this as a as a method of playing a stalker role-playing game by they would just need to reskin like if if there aren't any kind of you know anomalies or the kind right. of the kind of mutant animals and those sorts of things, it would be relatively. I mean, looking at some of the other stuff, it'd be relatively easy to do. So, um, mm. yeah, it's just kind of why they came to my head with, with the with the animals. <laughs> is like if you included that in the core rule book, if you were already thinking that way, then you're almost creating a kind of a, something that's very easy to fork off into that realm. But um, I'm sure somebody enterprising is going to do it very quickly. Yeah, I mean, hopefully, yeah. I mean that's <laughs> the cool thing, right? That we want to make this a toolbox so you can do all kinds of stuff yeah. with it. Like you mentioned, the stalker, stalker type environment is definitely very close to this, only yeah. adding the anomalies and the weird stuff. Yeah. I mean, obvi another obvious thing is, I mean, to, to a large extent, this, I mean, Twilight 2000 that we're doing, it's a little bit like The Walking Dead without zombies. I mean, so I mean, if you want to add the zombies in, you'll, you know, that's entirely possible to yeah. turn it into a zombie apocalypse. That you have to do that on your own. We're not going to do that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's entirely possible using this type of gameplay yeah. and rules. So, yeah, I, it, and that's, I mean, that's kind of this game more than all. I mean, I think all of our games, but this game in particular, is really, really a toolbox to, yeah. to use for the campaigns that you want to play. I mean, there's so many different takes on a near apocalypse where mm -hmm. it's shortly after the apocalyptic event and there are band yeah. bands of survivors usually attached to somebody who's got weapons training or something like that mm -hmm. um, yeah. as they're trying to survive, whether that's zombies or something else. And yeah, I mean, whether that's zombies or um, I've heard of this like crossed graphic novel recently, um, like there's just there's just so many different takes on it that I think... Yeah. Yeah, this is this kind of sounds like I mean, it's it's post-apocalyptic soon after the event <laughs> and a heavy heavy focus on on like gear kind of and that yeah. kind of works for anything and survival so cool. Um, We've I got a bunch of that, questions coming up. <laughs> so Astonetta uh, asked, could you uh, give an example of a typical adventure gathering resources defending against militia? So if it's anything like I remember it being, there was a lot of there was a lot of going out to find stuff. Or someone, I've noticed in the chat someone's talking about the Abrams tank or whatever. Um, yeah, it's great you have all this, this gear, but it never worked, or you had to get mm -hmm. someone to fix it, or you needed yep. to get the right fuel. And so I remember a lot of the players that I had spending a lot of their time going to raid the nearest farm or where right. it might be to get the alcohol so they could fuel their trucks, so they could actually get a couple of miles down the road. And I'm guessing yeah. that's something similar that would be happening in, in this? It is, yeah. And I mean, the format that we'll be using mainly, it, it, it probably won't be like your typical scenario from a to b it's more of an open world so but yeah. so it'll be driven by you'll have the travel rules and the random encounters i mean there's that in the uh, there's a random encounter system in the first edition that i mean it has yeah. that sandbox thing we're taking that and and ex and probably extending it a bit further so 
and uh, you'll have a system of random encounters. Uh, you'll have rumors that you can encounter, kind of like legends in Forbidden Lands. Yep. Also, radio transmissions. There's going to be random charts for <laughs> pick up radio cool. transmissions as you go along. And all yep. of this stuff is going to create like pools. You can pulling the player groups into different directions on the map where they can go. And this will kind of create a campaign that kind of rolls very organically where you want to go with the kind of questions that you're discussing and finding resources mm. and maybe hearing a rumor about some place where they're really well defended and have a lot of resources. Maybe we should go there, right? But there's a big maybe enemy troops nearby and then you kind of have to find your way and and find your own path and then there are these overarching to get some kind of long-term goals as well you have mm -hmm. that's where you have the either you can have the going home thing that can be a thing or you have operation reset or maybe something else that kind of yeah. drives your goals long term so it's more going to be a it's a very much a campaign mm -hmm. game i guess you could play a one-shot scenario as well but i think the the core way it's built, it's it's much more of a campaign sandbox platform yeah. type game. Well, I've already got the okay. whole campaign that running around in my head. Already. <laughs> right. so yeah, so produced the produced the book. <laughs> and this is this is the thing I haven't really I haven't really mentioned yet um, for people listening. Um, Ed has Ed has Ed has has run um, a Twilight two thousand campaign in the in the nineties for like two mm -hmm. years. You said, yeah. um, and. Ed's also very familiar with uh, the Year Zero games, he's a big fan. So um, he offered to run it, and I was like, well, why don't we run it on this channel? So Ed is going to be, um, I mean, subject to, uh, to like time scales and everything else. Um, we're hoping for Ed to be able to run, start running a campaign here on the channel once a month, and hopefully we'll have at least one um, proper session under our belts by the time the Kickstarter goes live. Um, right. Yeah, to give, a, to give a kind of like an actual broadcast of of how it works so yeah yeah that's gonna be quite kind of exciting i'm glad i'm glad ed you're already coming up with some ideas for a campaign what, yeah, yeah. what would what i have myself this. in for yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. that's great um i yeah, want to ask my, a, my, my, there was a question that came up that's that's quite good um we've kind of skipped past it a little bit but it was about um talking about the vehicles a little bit and mm -hmm. asking about um are, are there kind of the implication was is it going to go into three dimensions like are helicopters going to be um kind of a thing and there's going to be rules for how how that works you're nodding so okay cool <laughs> well um yes i mean I, like <laughs> in the old editions helicopters will be very rare because yes. it's yeah. going to be a difficult thing to find that kind of fuel to, to actually <laughs> and just to keep a helicopter running it, it requires a lot of resources which would be rare in this game but they 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 do exist you might run into one but if, i think vehicle combat is going to be a thing primarily a ground thing okay. i think aerial vehicles will be rare in general but definitely and that's something we looked a lot at and tried a number of different versions is to kind of capture what i liked about the first edition vehicle combat rules is that you can kind of see you know you hit from a particular angle matters which angle you hit and then you have the different components that you can kind of damage one by one depending on the attack angle and so on. I wanted mm -hmm. to keep some of that but making it a bit less clunky because honestly it takes a lot of time to, to yeah. do that. And it's fun yeah. once and then yeah. like the third time so it just, just <laughs> yeah. so we were trying to find a way to capture the feel of that but in a more kind of a condensed yeah. way. So um okay. so yes it, it will be there. Uh, but exactly how, I guess we'll get back to when, and when people get a chance to try it out for themselves. Yeah. But, okay. But, uh, so that's kind of where we're at at the moment. Awesome. 
one last question then. Um, this is, you kind of, we touched on it a little bit, but asking about attributes and skills again. Um, I'm assuming for the playtesting you've got, you've already mentioned that you're currently working with the four, four typical type of year zero engine attributes. Yes. Um, what are you looking at with, um, with skills currently? Obviously subject to change, all the rest of it. Yeah. No, I mean, we're, the skill list will be very much uh, adapted to the game. Um, but the kind of number of skills, the kind of scope of the skills are, that's, that's, and that's something we, we uh, been thinking about how to do. I mean, the original version had a lot of skills and quite granular. Um, we still at the moment keep the number of skills fairly low and we create okay. specializations using talent instead. So that's kind of okay. how we've been doing it for our other games. Okay. At the moment, that's how it works in Twilight as well. Um, the difference is that the name, the, the actual skills themselves, what they are for is adapted to this sure. game. Of course. Sure. Um, like, like any of your so, games. Yeah. 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 So it's exactly. So I think the closest where it comes to skills, just looking at the list, how they kind of work is alien, I guess. Um, okay. So, so uh, and map... then we kind of try to capture like even particular names of skills from like the old editions are brought back, but maybe this time around they're talents instead of skills, just okay. to kind of give the same feel, but mm. they're handled a bit differently. Yeah, interesting. Okay, ah, cool. Mm. All right. <laughs> I'm very excited. Yeah. <laughs> I was just thinking about skills. Um, I, I think all of your games, but one, have specific skills tied to, um, like an even number tied to their attributes. And like Coriolis is eight general and eight advanced attributes, which don't map perfectly to, you know, four yeah. each to the attributes. Um, is that... Oh well, just wait. That's fine. I think that's that's enough. Of, that's enough of a teaser for one for one day. You're you're still fine tweaking everything. So I guess the answer, um, Stefauch, is that there's going to be attributes and skills, and currently looks like there's going to be talents like we'd expect to see from any of the other Year Zero games, which is cool. At the moment, yes. Right. Yeah, cool. Um, yeah, there's another there's another um, comment that came up saying talking about the um, when you're talking about um, the different types of combat and how it's primarily going to be ground based and stuff um, that there are good board games for handling um for handling ground combat and it strikes me that uh free league is branching out into board games recently so um <laughs> yeah who knows yeah. who knows, who knows? <laughs> martin's gonna need to be busy after a tales from loop <laughs> yeah. is finished right <laughs> cool um yeah old school empire it is august um i i, I imagine you don't have a, a specific time in august end of august probably no right? we haven't set the date yet uh for a number of reasons we just yeah. need to make things you know there are a number of uncertainties yeah. for these things so we'll announce the dates a little bit later okay so it's gonna be um but august is what you're running for for the start of the kickstarter yeah yes so okay so running probably into september probably running into september okay cool well, guess i'll well, be putting my money in then <laughs> excellent um, yeah, I, I think that's that's it for like we haven't got any more questions kind of really cropping up in in chat and um, I'm I know you probably want to get away. I did see on Twitter that you've got a you've got another interview lined up for your two a.m. So uh... yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. We got to keep the uh, North Americans happy, right? So <laughs> all good. Um, I'll let you I'll let you take a nap or whatever you need to be able to fresh and, <laughs> fresh and uh, ready for for those other interviews. But um, thanks for coming and talking, Tomas. It's always yes. a pleasure to talk to you. Right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, you very much. Yeah, you too. So yeah. talk to you later.
yeah cheers All right. thanks a lot thanks everyone for All watching right. and um yeah if you're if you're uh, like what you've seen there's gonna be more content like this in the future hit the follow button in twitch and you'll get email alerts when um when we go live basically so Thank you very much for ask, uh, for watching and asking all the cool questions in chats, and we'll catch you next time. I'm going to be live uh, next uh, this coming Sunday. Don't know what I'm going to be doing yet, but I'm going to be going live. So <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> all right. Thanks. Thanks again, Tomas. Thanks, uh, Ed, for for uh, stopping by as well. That's all right. All right. Thank and you. cheers, everyone. Cheers. Bye.